Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. Awesome. Good morning, everybody. How are you? How's it feel to be the peanut butter and jelly church, huh? That's what we're known as here. So nothing fancy, but really practical and yummy. Anyhow, um, we are continuing in the series of God of the Covenant. Last week, we talked about how God of the Covenant and the New Covenant has changed our relationship between us and the Heavenly Father. We talked about how the atonement that God has won with us. And today, we are talking about how the New Covenant has changed us and how we relate to one another. Our friends, our family, our neighbors, all that stuff. How does the new covenant, how does what Christ did on the cross change the way that we should engage and interact with others? We have one more Sunday of the new covenant, and then we're done with the series. So um, anyways, thank you for sticking with us. Um, I'm excited about today. And a lot of this is talked about in Second Ephesians. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there. We'll have the verses up on the scripture. But for me, I don't know about you, but I'm a really big visual person. And so um, a lot of what Ephesians 2 really talks about doesn't seem to really connect with me with Jews and Gentiles. So I thought it'd be fun to get involved. Some wonderful helpers to help demonstrate this. So bring up with an applause, Alex and Miles. Come on up. All right, so we're talking about Jews and Gentiles. Do you guys know what this is? It's not a piece of cardboard. It's actually the wall of hostility. Ooh, the wall of hostility. So, um, Alex, you're going to be uh, representing the Jewish nation, so I've got you a yarmulke here. This is a special circle hat. Uh, that's really important. And Jews really appreciate the beard. The beard is a big, you know, let's just get this on you here. Okay, so you have your beard. It'll be, that, that's good. You guys can get the gist. Okay, so you're going to represent the Jewish nation over here. Then, Miles, you are the Gentiles. Ooh. So this is the garment of Gentiles. If you're saying to yourself, you know what, Sean, that looks... Um, awfully familiar. Well, it was featured on the television series, The Chosen, (laughs) by Pastor Lloyd Baker. So that's why you recognize it. You're going to represent the Gentile garment over here. So um, let's go ahead and uh, read the story, and uh, you guys can help me act this out. So Paul is writing to the Ephesians church, and he says, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Outsiders. Okay, he's getting a little extra bonus on this. Okay. Uh, You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. So, you call Miles an uncircumcised heathen? How did that make you feel? Oh. That is a harsh put-down. Take it easy. But the story goes on. In those days, you were living apart from God. See, this was the... We are are descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Joseph. You are over there. 
You were living apart from God, apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and hope. How does that feel? No God, no hope. Are you, are you, how does that look? Sad. Okay, that's a sad, that's a sad acting pose. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> But now you have been united with Christ once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ, for Christ himself has brought you peace. How does that feel? You now have peace. Yes. He united the Jews and the Gentiles into one body on the cross. He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. And he ended the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between the Jews and the Gentiles by creating himself one new people. Say one new people. people. From two groups together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups by God by means of the death on the cross. And our hostility towards us was put to death. So quickly, who can volunteer really quick? I need somebody to step up. Volunteer. Come on. Oh, Joey, get on up here. Joey, you're going to be Jesus. So, Jesus, what did you do? You removed the wall of hostility. Yes, you destroyed it. Yes, very good job. And you united these people. Be united. Be united. Yes, give them all a big round of applause. Good job. Give me your beard back. Okay, good. Okay, and, and that's your yarmulke for a little souvenir. Okay, good. <laughs> oh, goodness. Was that helpful, you guys? Paul continues on talking about this in uh, chapter 2, verse 17. He says, He brought the good news of peace to you Gentiles who are far away from him and the peace of Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers or foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people who are members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple. Say holy temple. For the Lord. Though through him you Gentiles are also now being made a part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. You see, we probably don't think a lot about, we don't wake up in the morning and be like, wow, I'm so glad that I once was a Gentile and now I'm a part of God's family. Like, it's in our culture, we don't really understand what that meant, but this was a giant mega deal. You see, impo- <laughs> unity is really important to God because he's saying he's building a temple on a holy foundation. He's not building a subdivision where we each have our own little house. He's not being, building a condo. He's building one house one temple that we're all united as one. And it was Jesus who broke down the wall of his hostility. It was him that wants to unite us together. Does that make sense? So this is a huge deal. So that's why Romans 2.11, it says that God shows no favoritism. Think about that. What if we lived in a culture where there was no favoritism? 
that would be, we can't even fathom that. But in God's kingdom, he's saying, <laughs> may, may your kingdom come down. We as a church, there should be no favoritisms. God's wisdom is what he wants to demonstrate in his unity. And, and look at this. This is fascinating. Um, this was news to me, but in Ephesians, it talks about what this unity in the church looks like. Look, look at this. This is so cool. Verses, uh, verse 8, chapter 3, it says, Although uh, I am a least of these, so he's talking Paul, he's writing again the Ephesian church. He says, I'm the least of all God's people. This grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ, to make it plain to everyone the administration of his mystery for ages past was kept hidden in God. Say hidden in God. So it was hidden in God who created all things. His intent was now that through the church, who's the church? That through the church, his manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So, get this picture. God's manifold wisdom, his plan that he kept secret all up until the time that Jesus died and this new covenant was ushered in, is being displayed and seen out by us, the church. That we are his manifold wisdom and plan coming together as the unseen principalities and rulers from heaven look down and wow, God, your plan to end hostility and to unite both Jews and Gentiles, all people together as one, this was your plan. This is what they are seeing as we act this out in the church. This is an amazing, <laughs> amazing period of history that we are in. This is absolutely amazing. So our actions matter, and they are put on display in the heavenlies. It's like bigger than the Olympics. <laughs> it's bigger than the Super Bowl. And this is, this is the manifold wisdom of God. And I looked up manifold, and what it is, is it's, it's translated as much or varied. It's many colored, many kinds, multiple, being such for a variety of reasons. So God's manifold wisdom, his rich many wisdom is being displayed. It was hidden, but now it's displayed in us as a church being united. I... Um, I took Susie out uh, last week to the uh, little date night. We went to go uh, to Scottsdale to see that Van Gogh display. Um, it was really cool. It was a little different than I thought. Um, but <laughs> we can talk about that later. Uh, it was good. It was good. I thought there'd be some, like, actual Van Goghs or stuff. I'm like, hey, have you seen a Van Gogh? You're going to like it. But no, it was kind of a light show. and It was cool. It was, it was awesome, guys. <laughs> I meant to say that to start off. It was awesome. I'm, I'm still not over it. I'm still not over it. Anyhow, the reason I bring that up, well, you're laughing way too hard over here. 
the reason I bring that up is you kind of get a gist of who Van Gogh was in his artwork. You know, like if his mood was bad, he didn't use as much color. You kind of get a sense of, of who an artist is through his creation. Does that make sense? So like Thomas Kincaid, you kind of know a little bit about him. And I think it, it branches into other different arts, you know, with music you know, like John Denver, you know, like, that's a chill dude. James Taylor, you kind of get a sense of who the person is. I know I'm dating myself. Anyways, um, you kind of get a sense of that. But I, I, I think that we see that same sense in God, yeah, right? In his creation. I mean, what a rich variety God we have. And he, he makes the mountains, the forests, the beach, the deserts. And then he gives us seasons that change everything, Right? Have you thought about, like, the person of who God is? I mean, his manifold wisdom is much. It's varied. And we also see that in food, and I'm glad for that, right? Like, what if he just made apples and oranges? Like, that's the only fruit we have, right? No, he does a rich variety of food, right? Aren't you glad God made garlic? <laughs> have you thought about a world without garlic? That would, Rachel, that would be so sad so sad. Like, what if he just got, he's like, I've made enough for him. I'm just not going to make the coffee plant. Like, don't go there. I just want to praise the Lord that he took the extra time and made the coffee plant. Like, it's rich. It's variety. I'm glad that in our country, we don't have to go to Mexico to get Mexican food or Italy for Italian food. We have it all here, right? I'm glad that we have all these varieties of foods. But here's where the correlation ends. <laughs> when you take that rich variety creation of the Lord and then you see all of this rich creativity in, in people and how they have different opinions than mine and different backgrounds and ethnicities, we don't really celebrate that as much, right? It's different. It's harder. We, we like all the variety and scenery, but when it comes to different people who think differently than us or who vote differently than us, then all of a sudden it's not as great, right? But God, didn't he bust down the wall of hostility? See, it's the enemy that wants to set that back up. It's the enemy that wants to bring division and to divide us. But we are called to love one another, right? Yes. And I think even in, in pastor school, they, they, they say, if there's any way to connect the message to something practical, that way they'll remember it in the future. You want to try to do that. So here's my attempt at that. Are you guys ready? Um, in, in the beginning of our country, the forefathers, they have this, um, this, uh, this saying on all of our currency, and it's, it's everywhere. So hopefully every time you bring a, a currency or a dollar, you'll remember this message. But e pluralis unimum. I'm sure that's not how you put Thank you, thank you. What this means is it means that out of many, there is one. Out of many, there is one. That's what that means. So that, that mystery has now been revealed. Did anybody know that? A couple of people. Okay, good. Um, out of many, one. So out of many states, out of many towns, cities, colonies, us as a people of the United States are one nation. Isn't that cool? Like, that is a God-inspired idea. So God is bringing that illustration to us. That's what he did when he ushered in the new covenant, that now the Gentiles are included. 
we are included into this new family. Um, in Ephesians 1, verses 5, it says, God designed, or um, excuse me, God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. This is what he wanted to do, and this is what gives him great pleasure. God gets great pleasure when he sees us together as a family. And I think about th- this verse means a little different to me now being a father with kids, right? So oftentimes, parents, you'll, you'll understand this, but maybe you drop your kids off to a field trip or a sleepover um, or something like that, and you kind of give that last final pep talk to your kids, right? Um, the pep talk usually goes something like this. Guys, I want you to <laughs> look out for each other and make sure you just get along and be nice to others, right? It's something like that. Like, I never sit down with them and say, okay, guys, um, now, if they pass out snacks, I really want you to be mindful to eat healthy, make sure you have a balanced portion. I don't give them that talk. I'm just like, guys, just get along, okay? Be nice to each other and just get along, okay? <laughs> and when I pick them up and they've gotten along and are nice, it brings me joy. I'm happy when that happens, right? I'm happy. And so God's telling us, like, be nice to each other. Just get along, right? Jews, Gentiles, everything. Just get along with each other. Because uh, to love each other is really to love God. And it's because God first loved us. So the church isn't designed for everybody to look the same, for everybody to dress the same. It's not designed for everybody to talk the same or have the same opinions. That would be a really boring place. But it's, it's for us to to be together, united as one, because of God's love for us, because he included us. We're no longer outsiders. He's given us peace. He's knocked down the wall of hostility. We can now reach out to the marginalized. We can reach out to those who are forgotten. That lonely student who never has friends in high school, or that coworker that maybe is hurt from church hurt and just talks bad about. We can reach out to our neighbors who maybe had a different political sign that we didn't agree with. We can reach out because we are now included. Does that make sense? I, I looked at uh, our football jerseys last week, and I was a little disturbed because not everybody is a Cardinals fan. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I like different, fan, like different football clubs. But you know what? There's, there's a part in us as a church where we shouldn't get along. We shouldn't get along. And the world sees us as like, how do you guys get along? I told Joe, I says, Joe, you are my favorite Raider fan. <laughs> right? I shouldn't get along with Joe. I was raised in Colorado. I like the Broncos. The Broncos and Raiders don't get along, right? But it's because of Jesus Christ and God's Spirit that brings us together. So I want to watch a Raider game with Joe because, like, hey, let's see what this, you know, let's do this, Right? Jackie's up here with her shirt and Packers, and like, it's great that we all don't look the same and talk the same and like the same sports people. Because honestly, if you think about it, if we put ourselves in that other person's shoes, if I was raised like they were, I probably would be a Raiders fan too. And if he was raised, that's, no, I'm not, that's not a hint, that's not a hint. It's not a hit. 
If he was raised in Colorado Springs, he'd probably be a Bronco fan. And so we need to be less quick to judge and quicker to love. Why? Because God first loved us, right? And so that's why I love Streams Church. I love that we have different backgrounds, different financial backgrounds, different ethnicities, but we all can come together and be united to reach out to our community, to love each other. Like, you guys love so well. When somebody's sick or somebody needs help moving, boom, you guys are, you guys are there. And, and that's what John talks about. Look at this. G- these are Jesus' words. John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35, it says, So now I'm giving you this new commandment. Love each other. Say, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. For your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That we are disciples of Christ. That we are Christians. Because how come? Because our love for one another. You know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say because we resist evil and we judge unrighteousness. That's how people will know that we're Christians. It says, no, the world will know that we are Christ's disciples because of our love for one another. Isn't that what he did for us? He loved us just as we were. He didn't say, you know what, if you change this, if you cut this, if you read the Bible, if you go to church, then I'll start to love you. No, his love came down, and he died for the world because he so loved us as we were as we were. And I, I, can, I can look back at my life now, and I can see that my, even my ways have, have changed. My thoughts, my opinions. What was important to me in high school is a lot different than what's important to me today. Is that, can, who, who can relate to that? Joey, you don't know what I'm talking about yet. It's okay. <laughs> you're, not a, you're not in high school. That's not a dig. I love that. I love being in high school. But the thing is, is that we need to be super solid that this, this is God's word. This trumps it all. Like, this trumps my circumstances. This trumps my thoughts and my opinions. We need to hold fast to this word. But we also need to realize that, you know what? I am called to love people as they are. That's my assignment that God's been given to me. And as I do that, the world will see that I'm a Christ disciple, that God's marvelous plan of weaving us together, united in one, is being witnessed by the unseen rulers and authorities of this world. That's mega. Um, in John 17, we get a really unique glimpse of Jesus's, one of Jesus' last prayers that he's talking before he went to the cross. And it's interesting, like, what did Jesus, what was one of his last recorded prayers, what, did, what was he talking to God the Father about? In John 17, it says that he really kind of focused in on three areas. Number one, he prays for us to be safe from the evil one. So he prays for protection. Number two, he prays that we would be holy by his truth. And then number three, over and over again, we see this thread for unity. Jesus, he's saying, I pray that all will be at one, just as you and I are at one. As you are in me, Father, I am in them. He just talks about unity and unity and unity. 
And so it makes me think, if this was his last prayer, that's really important. And I, I look at the story where Jesus raised Lazarus from the grave. How many times did Jesus say, Lazarus, come forth? Just one time. One time, Jesus prayed, and a man who'd been dead for several days get out of the tomb. But he prays for unity over and over and over. It's probably a good indication that it's not easy, right? So in closing, um, I want to read this quote from Michael Green. Um, He talked about evangelism in the early church from his book. uh, And he says that the church grew by 80% or more in those early days because ordinary Christians like you and me explained their life to their family and their friends. It wasn't because of big fancy kid programs in church or laser lights and fog machines and this awesome band. That's not how the church grew. It was Christians living by God's instruction, loving each other, and having a whole different set of morals. And the world was like, what is going on in your life? And they just explained their life. And the church grew. So the call of Jesus is not to preach the good news, but it's to become good news people. It's to embody the gospel and the kingdom of God to live joyfully with Jesus right in the middle of challenges of our culture. That's what we're called to do and to be. That the good news is in us, that we are the good news. Let's pray and we'll have the worship team come on up. Lord, I just want to say thank you for your grace and for your love that you included us. I know I'm not Jewish by descent, but you have chosen us to be united in one temple, one family, and that you would be glorified. And Lord, I pray that you would just give us grace to deal with our family, our friends, our neighbors who maybe have different opinions, but Lord, would you equip us to love them just because you loved us? And I just want to thank you for loving me the way I was that you have given us your holy scriptures. I thank you for your protection. I thank you for the way that you do make us holy. But do a work in us. Do a work in our families. I know there's families that are broken. God, would you heal that? Would you restore that? God, there's tension in relationships. (laughs) And right now, I just know that there's people thinking of this person that there's tension with. God, would you help us to love them? Nudge us, God nudge us to do something at the right time at the right moment and we rest in your grace and we just say that whatever you tell us to do we want to do that but help us to be a light in this community help us to be a light to our neighbors in jesus name amen